when you're not able to walk the path that colleges set for you or that society says, oh, this is normal. What do you do when you have to work multiple jobs? What do you do when you have to take a semester off because you can't afford it? Or you have to take a semester off because your mental health is shot because you had to work. Welcome to Unlocking College Life. Real talk about all things college. The best part of this podcast is that your voice is part of the show. Other students care what you have to say. So through your questions, your feedback, and your real talk, we all grow together. Let's dive in with your hosts, Joy and Alona. Welcome back to Unlocking College Life. Alona and I are joined today by Alex, and she is going to tell us a little bit about her story, maybe particularly starting in the pandemic. We will go from there. So Alex, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Absolutely. First, thank you for having me. And as you mentioned, I did experience kind of collegiate transition. Of course, it kind of happened before the pandemic, but I transferred to UNCG spring 2020, just before the pandemic started. You kind of heard a little bit about it before, but no one really took it that seriously. But when I first got there, it was going all smooth. I had gone through orientation without masks, without anything. And I believe it was towards the end of February, early March is when we shut down. And so that was pretty difficult being that I'm a chemistry and sociology major. So you kind of rely on that face-to-face contact, your labs, and it was just really important. And being that I transferred to a new university, I didn't really know anyone there. I had no connections with professors. Really, all I had was just my advising team and just my schedule. And so when the lockdown happened, I felt very disconnected from campus. And I never realized, I guess, significant socioeconomic status is in collegiate transitions and just your experience in general. I have experienced the struggle of working two jobs in college even before I transferred to UNCG. And so I would say it's more than difficult. It shapes your experience. It definitely impacts the experiences you have in college and what you can and can't do. And I feel as though that's something a lot of people don't recognize, but they were definitely exposed to come pandemic time, being that a lot of people lost their jobs, you weren't allowed to do very much. So it kind of felt, oh, you're being acknowledged. Okay, I'm a struggling college student. And that's being seen because not everyone else is kind of struggling. But of course, the pandemic did a lot of stress on the financial struggles I already had. So coming into that, I definitely think that shaped me as a student and kind of at that time, I did not get involved until 2021. I didn't talk with my professors. I rarely emailed them. I kind of just wanted to stay in the background. But then I realized, oh my goodness, I will be graduating soon. I should definitely get involved. I need things on my resume, um, how important it is, but it's also really tough because you don't want to overexpose yourself. And when you're moving to a new city where everything's locked down, everyone's scared, no one knows what's going on, you kind of are lost. You rely on connections. And so it kind of forces that question of what do you do when those connections aren't there? So how do you develop connections when we're kind of in a state mandate where connections aren't really legal at the time? So come 2021, I broke out of my shell and I kind of got more involved with student connections being an academic leader, involving myself in, I guess, lab work. I was an assistant for a lab, chemistry labs. Then I applied to be a peer academic leader, which to be honest, I actually didn't know what it was. I got an email for it and I was just, oh, 
I need to get involved. I was craving human interaction with this campus because in a way I was just a student and it felt like I was just a number. I felt like no one really knew who I was. I didn't know how to engage and being that I'm an introvert and kind of shy, it just felt daunting to just go on campus and be like, hey, everybody, it's me. Pay attention to me. I offer something. And selling yourself is also always difficult. So I got this email and I just had this hunch that was like, I should just apply. And it was due a few hours later. So I checked the email really late. And so I ended up applying and I got an email back that said, oh, we'd like to invite you to our group interviews. And I was just like, whoa, so this must be kind of serious. And then I had joined the group interviews and I was surrounded by students who were super passionate. And I then began to, if I didn't already, have imposter syndrome. Because, I mean, you're around all these students who are like, Spartans unite, like Spartan pride. And I'm like, I guess I go here, but I've literally never been to a game. I've never been to the cast. I don't even know. The only thing I know is Spring Garden, which is the street that connects Greensboro and goes through UNCG. So I felt major imposter syndrome. I was just, okay, maybe I messed up. I don't know if I'll get this far. They'll definitely see right through me that I know nothing about this campus. How am I supposed to lead other students? being that I have no connections, no true connection with this campus because of the pandemic and just being a transfer student in general. And how can I connect those things, those experiences and me being a transfer student, me and my experiences with mental health and just my financial background, how can I relate that to students? So I went through the interview and sure enough, it went well. Obviously, I got an individual interview and then in the individual interview, I then began to realize it was someone extending a hand to me. And I felt nervous to grab that hand. I was just, ah, I don't know if I belong. I don't know how this will look because I've been let down quite amount of times by collegiate experiences and just things, everyone experiences failure. So I just felt very nervous. But sure enough, I did take that hand. And ever since then, I've just been experiencing numerous connections and thrown into campus life in such a beautiful way. I just appreciate so many points that you mentioned, because even as a transfer student, not pandemic, we often hear from transfer students how hard it is to sort of break in or break through, because they're already established connections, established student groups. And so it's incredibly difficult. And then you're coming in pandemic, which you detailed so, so well. And while Joy and I have our most current experience is on the University of Michigan campus, where we certainly see economic disparities, we do hear quite a bit about students who may come through the Bridge Program and other initiatives and really feel disconnected because of the socioeconomic difference. And oftentimes trying to sort of keep up with everything that is going on on campus, but really just not having the same resources. And what a bold move for you to really just throw yourself in there and go from there. So I'm so eager to hear more from you. I think when you mentioned the financial and socioeconomic aspect of things, coming into college, I come from a single mother. And I was just always told, okay, go for scholarships, go for scholarships. It was never, okay, I'm going to pay for this. That just wasn't a thing. That was never a possibility that I was going to pay for college by myself, other than using loans. And depending on where you come from, you either hear about loans or you don't. And when you do hear about loans, you hear about how you have to pay for loans. And when you hear about paying for loans, you hear about just feeling isolated and 
this financial burden for your entire life and how the horror stories of, oh, I have almost $100,000 of loans. And so I felt it was very intimidating uh, approaching college. Of course, as an African-American woman, I felt as though this is something I had to do because I felt if I didn't do it, who knows what doors would open? Who knows? I didn't have connections from family. So I had to start to build my own connections. That's definitely why I went to college in the first place was to start establishing connections for myself and streams of financial influence and just many different things. But coming into college, of course, you go through the being broke and, you know, having to eat ramen noodles, having a budget and going through those different things. But I definitely feel as though I experienced an entire different side being that I had to work two jobs. Going into chemistry is extremely rigorous. And of course, you don't see many students of color in chemistry at all. But I definitely found that what was most difficult is that you're constantly having to prove yourself, whether it be a student of color or just anything. When you're struggling financially or you can't pay for something, it's like, okay, then I have to go based off my merit. It's not really necessarily considered that, hey, you actually shouldn't actually have this issue. You shouldn't have to worry about eating. You shouldn't have to worry about how to pay for your books. But it's like, okay, so you do have to worry about that. Let's see, the way you can combat this is by working really hard. And so, yes, that's good in a way, but kind of certain things pop up. Say you can't work very hard because you overextended yourself already. I would say my sophomore year, I started working because I had to have a car. I lived in Asheville, so the mountains were kind of strenuous. And the first car I had, the station wagon was beaten up and it wasn't very safe. So I had to then get a car payment. And so I got a new car and I had now a car payment and car insurance. So that was one of my first bills because my mom was like, okay, you need to pay for this yourself. You're an adult now. So, and I think that started when I got my first speeding ticket. My mom had initially paid for my car insurance, but I got my first speeding ticket when I first got my license and it skyrocketed my insurance. But my insurance ended up being around $300. And then I had a car payment that was around 250. The first thing I remember was like, I can't afford this, was super anxious. And my mom was like, it's okay. I'll just get a job. I'll teach you budgeting. This will be the perfect opportunity. We'll get you a credit card. And I was just like, okay, so this is starting to sound like just like my siblings experience. I'm going to learn from this. I should be good. Until one job just didn't do it. So I had to pick up another job. I picked up a job on campus and one off campus. And I was exhausted. It was daunting and just physically, mentally, and emotionally exhausting having to, when you know you're going through all these classes, you don't get to take a moment to decompress or go and study. Instead, you have to run across campus or run off campus and work for six, seven hours. And so I grew this frustration. I was very angry when I met with my pre-med advisor because I wanted to go to medical school. And he started to compare me to other students. And it was like, okay, so the journey to medical school is this like similar for everyone, but everyone's experiences are different. And he was like, you know, for like other students I've taught, they've done this and they've done this, but really it's all about your grades and your MCAT scores and your internship experience and shadowing. And I was just like, okay, yep, I knew that. But I was like, okay, but what about this other aspect? For example, one of my classmates, they don't have to work, say they're paying, their parents are paying for it. I was like, that can impact my grades. So I didn't feel like it was fair that I would have to go against someone when the 
playing grounds weren't even. Although we were in the same class, I got to that class a lot differently and I was fighting to stay in that class. And so when my grades had dropped, because I kind of reached a wall, I was burnt out and I just was like, why am I even doing this? If this is what it takes, maybe this isn't it because my mental health was shot, my physical health was shot, and it just felt I wasn't being seen. And so I was doing all this and there was no way I could look exactly the same as someone who didn't have to work, who was able to go straight home and study or not have to worry about, okay, I need gas, so maybe I need to forego this meal or... I won't have this experience because I have to pay for my college books. It's just an entirely different playing ground. And a lot of these experiences, that's not something that a lot of advisors or college campus acknowledge for students. So it's definitely difficult and can impact someone's view of college and whether they would even want to stay. Yeah. Alex, everything you're saying is so important. And it's actually reminding me, we've actually talked about this a a lot too, that sometimes students working multiple jobs is an invisible identity. People don't always know that. And actually, when you're talking about some of these things that are quote unquote, the ways to get to med school or law school or whatever is student involvement. And sometimes those are volunteer. And we often talk about the privilege that is needed to do volunteer work. And how do we actually start to recognize that we need to pay people? And it is an inequity. What you're saying is totally an inequity that some students are having to work. And it sort of challenges this idea that to create such a busy culture where students are constantly asked to produce, 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 some people have the time to do that and others don't. So I just want to validate everything you're saying. And I also wonder what you'd say. There's students listening who are like, yes, that's me. What do I do? Being that I'm still experiencing this, I'm still working two jobs to get through college, my word of advice is that realize that your journey is your own. It's so important to not compare yourself, although it, albeit it might be impossible. I tend to give advice that I need to take myself, but the significance in realizing that your journey, whether it, regardless of if it looks similar to someone else's, it's very different and Just because you may deviate off that path or it may look slightly different or it doesn't go with the normal, that doesn't make it any less valid or possible. Accomplishments are very much possible regardless if you do it unorthodox. For example, I am 22 and my predicted graduation date was spring 2021. And so I guess considered a super senior because, I mean, there's just so many different circumstances that played into that, but I guess almost considered an unconventional college student because I'm not significantly older, but I did miss my graduation date. And that's an insecurity of mine. That's something that makes me feel very, very scared because I kind of, I'm not taking four years. So what do you do then? When you're not able to walk the path that college is set for you or that society says, oh, this is normal. What do you do when you have to work multiple jobs? What do you do when you have to take a semester off because you can't afford it? Or you have to take a semester off because your mental health is shot because you had to work? Or if you have to take care of your family, what do you do when things just aren't conventional? My solution would be take it one day at a time and recognize that it is your own. Surround yourself by people who say yes instead of saying no. I guess I would say One of the most important pieces of advice I received when I was super down in the depths of insecurity, failure, whatever it may be, 
was that take it one day at a time and you can't eat an entire elephant in one day. That sounds weird, I know. An elephant, what does that have to do with anything? But metaphorically, of course, a human can't eat elephant in one day. Our mouths aren't big enough. Our stomachs aren't big enough. It's just not possible. But if you take it one bite at a time, you will find that, oh, I can accomplish this. So although it may seem the odds are stacked against you, it may seem as though you just keep getting problems after problems and challenges after challenge. It is entirely up to you. Whether you want to stay in college, that's entirely up to you. Whether you decide to work or you decide to continue going on to post-grad opportunities, it's entirely up to you. And truly, you are the only person who can do these things. And you're the only person who knows what you're going through. You can't expect other people to necessarily validate your experiences or recognize them. It's nice to be recognized in a space, but using those kind of things to your advantage is what definitely helped me and got me into this, I guess, you know, got me into a connection that helped me to meet you all. So I think that just taking it one day at a time and acknowledging the realistic aspects of life. I mean, pandemics, although rare, do happen. Death and family, sickness, mental health illnesses, it's all very real, although it's not really talked about. It's very common and can impact your life. I really appreciate what you said about find the people that say yes, because what you're saying is true, too, is that there are definitely some professionals on college campuses that don't know and can't acknowledge the inequities like they just I don't know why. And you will run into those people. And I promise you, there are always individuals on college campuses whose work is dedicated to helping students who have more challenging paths to success. And so I love that advice of like, find the people to, that say yes and are there to help. So thank you for saying that. You know, and I'm thinking here, if med school is still on your radar, I do hope you get in because for you, residency might be a piece of cake. You know, I mean, I know residents and the medical students work a lot and it's long, long hours and all of that, but clearly you're already prepared to navigate three jobs essentially. So, but I also wanted to hear a little bit about what an interesting combination of majors that you have. You have sociology and chemistry, not necessarily a very common combination. So I wonder how you found yourself there. And another question that I have for you, and we are skipping around a little bit, but I do wonder about the and yes, I heard Joy sort of underscore the fine people that say yes. But I also wonder if it's been lonely at times, because your path is so different from probably the majority. I guess to start with your first question about my <laughs> choice in majors, I told myself that I wanted to be very honest on this podcast, so I hope that I'm not devaluing myself. But picking up another major actually came out of me not being able to, me feeling like I wasn't able to accomplish or be the best I could in the chemistry major, and simply just wanting to graduate and wanting to kind of shape my student profile in a way that truly reflects my skills. So a lot of chemistry and a lot of college isn't about just your academic skills, but it's about what you can do with those skills. For example, undergraduate research and just building up off those things as you progress through college. And as a chemistry major, chemistry requires obviously a lot of study time. 
but it also requires a mindset that is so precise and focused. And I did tell myself making it through the classes, although I was extremely stressed out. For example, one semester, I hardly studied. I was extremely sleep deprived, like most college students, but I did not eat. So I had developed a mental health disorder in which I, every time I would eat something, I'd get super sick because I had, my body had been so deprived. So it kind of developed this dependency of, okay, we're just going to rely on energy drinks or things that are super unhealthy. So that semester I performed terribly to the point where I had to take a semester off, which was very real for many people. That's something that a lot of people don't talk about. And I was a little hesitant. I was like, should I mention this? Because that's something shameful. That's something that a lot of college campuses consider really bad. Obviously you want to perform well, but A lot of circumstances can force you to be on academic probation, academic suspension, and you have to take a semester off. So with that being said, I perform very mediocre in these chemistry classes, but I would just scrape by. I kind of lost my passion for it because I felt like, okay, I've got to start being realistic with myself. My mind had transitioned from this, oh, why anything in life is possible and I can be whatever I want to should I be here? Do I even deserve to be here? I can't give my 100% every single time. And so it just became exhausting. So I had transferred. Also, another thing was that I felt like I really didn't get the opportunity to discover other majors. I came into college so focused on, okay, I've got to get out of here. I've got to be able to get a good job. I have to find the route that's going to get me there. Yeah, I have a passion for chemistry and I have a passion for medicine, but I've got to ensure financial stability. And for me, that's one of the main goals of my life is that's one of my aspirations is to have stability, being that I didn't grow up in stability. So I remember a conversation I had with my sister. I said, hey, I wonder, I might become an art major. And oh my goodness, she said, art? Well, good luck being on the street. And I was just, wait, what? And she was like, do you know how difficult it is to find work in art? And that's not going to get you somewhere. And I said, well, what about creative writing? I love writing. And she was just, "Uh, the job market, good luck. So why are you trying to leave chemistry? This is guaranteed to get you a good job. You're able to do this. It looks well. People respect you. You're in STEM. You have to do it. So I felt this tie and connection that I felt really shameful to break. And I felt like, oh, well, I do my due diligence to this world as a Black woman, as anything if I left this, maybe me struggling, maybe me going through all this, these horrible things was just the price I had to pay to get financial stability, which is completely not true, come to find out. So when I transferred to UNCG, I was still in chemistry and I realized, okay, this isn't it. So I had completed most of my prereqs. So basically I was very close to finishing the major. But I believe it was last summer when I had a very difficult semester because I just had so many different things going on coming out of the pandemic and just trying to survive and trying to put food on my own table. I live alone. found that it was cheaper to live off campus than on campus, being that I didn't have to pay for like a meal plan and all these things. But of course, living off campus creates a whole entire another boatload of issues. And so I took a summer and for many students especially those under financial, any type of burden who are unconventional, you always feel like you're on a clock. You always feel, oh my goodness, I have to hurry up. What am I doing? All my time has to be productive. I have to keep moving forward. 
So when you're told to stop, that you have to stop to be able to discover what things you like, what major might actually interest you and pique your intellectual curiosity. I was just like, no way. I can't stop. I can't do this. I have to keep going. So I kept going in the chemistry major until I couldn't go anymore. And I just felt stuck. So I kind of took a semester and I said, okay, I'm going to try this sociology class. I've always been interested in this. This is something that comes natural to me. And so ever since then, I realized how effortless that semester. I had grades that I had never even thought were possible for me. I had performed exceptionally and I realized the difference between finishing college because you want to just get a job and create financial security versus finding your purpose and finding your path that actually aligns with your interest. So that's kind of how I got there, even though it's a little shaky. Who knows if I will still be in sociology? I think that's the beauty of being a college student is that you have, although people don't like to say it, you do have the freedom to change and discover. Although within your own extent, of course, you can't afford it to spend all whole many different semesters. So I think that's how I got there. Well, and I think that so much from your life would be such important topics for sociology. You know what I mean? I'm not even that surprised that's a, a field you are drawn to. Can you tell us a little bit, Alex, about this peer advising role now that you're in? Because I now you are getting to give back in this other way. And I just assume that you've probably helped so many folks. So I'm just curious, you didn't think you were going to get there. You were like, oh my gosh, I'm in the interviews. I got it. And then now what? So I'd love for you to talk about that. This past fall semester was my first active semester as a peer academic leader, which is what we're called PALS. It's kind of a cute acronym. Being that you kind of do play friend, advisor, leader for a lot of these incoming transitioning students. So my role was working with new incoming students, whether it be transfers or freshmen, but anyone who was kind of new to campus. So it's kind of funny how it worked out because a PAL was actually what I needed spring 2020. Although I wasn't connected with a PAL, I realized how crucial and important it was. So it's kind of funny how I ended up doing the work that I needed, which I guess definitely impacts my drive. It impacts the significance of this job for me. So working with these students, seeing lots of students come in who were just like me, confused, just wide-eyed and like, oh, there's a lot of stuff going on. I want to do well. And just high ambition. It's just sweet, but it's also bittersweet because I felt, oh man, if only I had this opportunity, if only I knew about this, I felt I could have done so much better. I could have built so many other connections. But then I stopped myself there and I'm like, no, because this happened for a reason, because now I can better advocate for students, being that I know exactly what happens if you don't receive those things. You can better guide students. So in this role, not only are you just connecting students to campus life, to academic resources, and just being there for them as an advisor and it's supporting them and teaching them all the aspects that life and UNCG have to offer. You're also growing yourself. You're teaching, but you're also being taught in a sense. Every experience I've had with a student has improved <laughs> me or taught me something that I didn't know. It revealed that, okay, maybe I'm actually pretty ignorant about that. It kind of checks you whenever you feel, which this job has taught me, and I'm sure that you guys have had this experience, whenever you're connecting with people, 
you can feel as though you know something, you know enough about something, because of course you have your own personal experiences. You might've just experienced something outside of that. But when you meet someone different, whenever you get that diverse perspective, you realize, okay, I maybe don't know as much as I thought, or there's always room to grow. There's always something that you can get out of it that you didn't get out of it before. And so working with these students has taught me, okay, maybe I do need to brush up on my study habits. It teaches communication skills, being able to communicate with someone in a passive but assertive way so that they actually are learning something is a skill that many adults, I would say, not to insult anyone out there. It's a skill that a lot of people don't have. And to be able to acknowledge and validate someone while also trying to guide them, it's intense, but also it's extremely rewarding when you get them there. So I feel like this role has just been unique unique that you get the privilege to be in these people's lives, whether it be for a short moment or for an extended period of time. It teaches you about things that you should be grateful for and things that not everyone has. It makes you check your internal privilege that you might have. I totally 100% relate to what you're saying. And I mean, it's happening actually right now. You're just speaking with you today is super impactful. So Alona, I don't know if you have any last thoughts or questions as we start to wrap up today. I wholeheartedly agree with you, Joy. What a privilege actually to have you on our podcast today. I so appreciate your honesty reality checking, I will admit I sit here and sort of think, dang, she has gone through so much and I wish you didn't. But I also appreciate you reflecting back and what all this has taught you and how you are now paying it forward. So thank you so, so much. Any last thoughts or things you want to share with our listeners, Alex? I would say I am living proof that things do get better. In your darkest moments, wherever it may, wherever you are when you hear this message, things do get better and you can get there. It may not look the same as your friends. It may not look the same as your classmates, but you do get there and everyone's life looks different. I never thought I would be on a podcast, but when I got the opportunity, it felt like a moment where, okay, I got here by myself and of course I have connections, but to be able to have those connections, you do that through integrity through skills and just being yourself. So regardless of what people may say, regardless of the shame you may feel or just the stress, you will get there when you're supposed to get there. And everything that you're going through now is intentional. And although it may be difficult, it's what's supposed to happen. So I'm grateful for that. And thank you for allowing me this space to share with you all. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, Alex. And thanks to listeners for being with us today. Until next time. Thanks for listening. Please rate and review us on your favorite pod platform. Share with your friends if this is making you think about and participate in college differently. We want to hear from you. Connect with us on Instagram and let us know how it's going. This podcast is not professional advice or replacement for therapy. If you need professional advice, You should find it with professionals in your area, such as your primary care physician or therapist.